Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ear Hammer Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's a pleasure to have you here for another episode of the Ear Hammer Podcast. All right, here we go. Hey, just a real quick, uh, you know, a uh, reminder, please, 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 if you're listening, go check out all the Ear Hammer record stuff, all the bands. Um, please check out our Instagram, our Facebook, our YouTube channel, and Twitter, which yeah, I, I got to do more with Twitter, but check it out anyway. Follow the Twitter Ear Hammer records page. Appreciate that. And if you would like to help support the record label and the podcast, you could always become a Patreon member. So go to patreon.com, Earhammer Records. There's donations. And I really greatly appreciate that. Uh, you get some some cool swag, some merch for that, T-shirts, uh, stickers, pins, you know, d- depending on different tiers, and you'll see what's on there. Um, and if anybody would like to drop me a message regarding you know the podcast or the record label, it's Earhammer Records at gmail.com. So with that being said, yeah, it's all the all the uh, choring out of the way. I have a very special guest down here at Golden Knox Studio. A fellow by the name of Kevin Naughton. Now, Kevin is a musician extraordinaire. This guy plays guitar, great guitar player, ripping bass player. I've heard him play drums. He's not bad. I'm not good. He's a singer. <laughs> hey, it's not your turn yet. <laughs> this is my part. My bad, my bad. <laughs> singer, songwriter, um, guy's been around a long time in the Cleveland music scene. It's a pleasure to have him down here in the podcast, and we're going to get to know him and his newest projects. So that being said, let's get this show rolling. Thanks, man. It's fun to be back at this table. I don't know which side we were sitting on the last time we were here. Kevin, it's a it's an honor and a pleasure to have you here. <laughs> last time we were here chatting, drinking some beers, it was reversed. You were yeah. You had me down for the uh, to interview me on your podcast. Which yeah, was, the old pressure cast. Yeah, that's probably still. I think it's still up. Yeah, you can last check that. that was one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, that was fun. It was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. That was. Uh, I had a ball. Yeah, it's pressure cast. It was. Uh, it's actually, if anyone wants to check it out, it's um, it's listed as Billy or Bill Cyprian, not yeah. Billy Crooked. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so um, and I am your host, Billy Crooked. By the way, just a good segue into that. Um, so uh, yeah, everybody. Hey, let's get let's get to know Kevin a little bit. So, Mr. Kevin Naughton, let me ask Mr. you, Mr. Billy Crooked. A uh, so you have a really killer project going on right now. It's a band called Low Spot. Tell me a little bit about how Low Spot came about, because now I know we're starting off with like current, right? And we'll get yeah, yeah. we'll get to like usually what we do is explore more like what got you into music. But tell us a little bit about like this current project, Low Spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know it. It's a project that I've had in mind for over a decade, but it just never kind of came together. 
until I, I really blame <laughs> or credit rather. I blame Ian. I blame Ian, uh, the rhythm guitarist, for getting this project off the ground. Um, blame or credit? Both. It's, <laughs> it's his fault, regardless. Um, uh, he uh, heard some of the stuff that I played on guitar and got real into it. And I was surprised by that because I, in my like lack of self confidence, mine thought I was the only one who liked any of the shit that I was playing like that. And uh, so that got me kind of stoked on it. Um, and Ian was always kind of bringing it up. We had a cut. We tried to put a band together at one point with Quinn, the bass player. Now um, it kind of it didn't go anywhere. And then just recent, I guess after the pandemic, everybody's got all this time now. Um, and it just kind of came together in a unexpected way. But it's uh, I'm 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 stoked. I, I'd never thought I'd be kind of bringing these songs that I wrote. A lot of them I wrote like ten years ago, and they meant a lot to me at the time. They still mean a lot to me, so I'm, I'm really excited to be playing them. All right, that what you asked? So I don't that, even know. If that yeah, no, you answered <laughs> it perfectly. With that being said, okay, so that's that's a good segue. I think let's let's go back a little ways then from that point. Like, um, one of the members in the band is Mike Varga, mm-hmm. and you've been playing music with Mike, who is the drummer in Low Spot, mm-hmm. for a long time. Yes, yeah, since we were teenagers. Yeah. So, how did you meet Mike? MySpace. <laughs> That's how long. That's how long. Fantastic. Uh, so yeah, we had a. Uh, I had a high school band um, that the drummer uh, quit, and the guitarist and I were like frantically trying to figure out how to keep that project going because we lived in a small town where there were like seven musicians and four of them were in the band. <laughs> so the drummer quit, and there were no drummers. So we were just kind of scouring MySpace and found this. Band and Menor, where the the drummer like that's that, that guy's actually pretty good, and so I think Dylan, the guitarist in the Black Diamonds, was that high school band. Any Kiss re- re- relation? It was actually it was named after the Replacements cover of the Kiss song, but I wasn't there. For, they, they, they they he started that band before I joined it, so okay. that I didn't have any say in the name. <laughs> but I love I love that song. I love both both versions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dylan said he. You know, it's it's the phone book. So he just called every Varga <laughs> in the phone book and asked for Mike until Mike's mom answered. And I guess you'll have to ask Mike about this, but I guess at the time, Mike had just we had a the Black Diamonds had a a record we'd recorded that like, you know, kids in like the region were listening to. And so he had just heard it somehow that in, in Menor. They he had heard it like the day before. And then Dylan called him and was like, you want to come play with us? And he's like, what? You know, I mean, it's like the high school shit, but, but that part was, you know, super funny. So, but that was how we started playing. And then that project morphed into the Suede Brothers and, you know, Mike and I have been friends since then. And so. Suede Brothers started, so I know that your first album came out in 2008, right? <clears throat> so when did that band start? It just, it morphed out of the Black Diamonds. Um, what year would that be? Yeah, uh, it, it was the summer between 2006 and 2000. Yeah, it was the summer of 2006. It was, a, it was between, that's when I was between high school and college. Because at the end of high school, that was when that, the original drummer of the Black Diamonds, who was like, that was our high school band throughout, that was our whole high school band. And then it was, that was Dylan, Dylan's middle school band too. Like they'd been playing forever. Um, but that guy quit. And so we brought Mike in. And over the course of the summer, um, it, the project just changed so much that we just kind of pared it down to a three piece and, uh, 
you know, it turned into the Suede Brothers. It started as a joke. That name's terrible. But <laughs> we had Dylan and I at the time were wearing like these velvet jackets for some reason. And someone said, oh, it's the Suede Brothers. And we were just like, let's. That's funny. Like, let's go with that. That's you know? great, though. When the, yeah. something like that sticks, you know. Yeah, sense. yeah. I, I wish it. I wish we came up with a better name. But <laughs> that's what's stuck. You were named. You mm-hmm. didn't come up with it. Yeah, that's good. Well, that though. band started as a joke. Like, we weren't supposed to play the show. We booked the show as the Black Diamonds, and then the singer couldn't make the show. And we we're like, well, let's play it anyway. We'll do it as a joke. We call it the Suede Brothers. And then we were like, oh, that's the band we want to be in. And then Dylan yeah. was singing. Then it Dylan, that was the first time Dylan ever sang. In. Yeah. Oh wow. And we wrote five. We wrote eight songs that morning. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that morning and played them live that night. That's crazy. And then we were like, well, this is the band. Like that was so easy. Like why? Why wouldn't this be the band? Like this is the most. This is the easiest creative process. And it was. Like, it was obvious to us at the time. It was. It was wild. Like, you were just like, oh, this is what we have to do. The yeah. three of you. You, Mike, yeah, yeah. and Dylan. Uh huh. Yeah. And then, so what happens in the next phase of Suede Brothers? Like, where does it go from there? Um, well, like, the Black Diamonds had a little bit of heat. Uh, we won, like, Best Single of the Year in C Magazine. And, like, uh, um, I remember, like, Jeff Magnum from the Dead Boys shouted us out. Like, so we had a little bit of, like, name recognition. That's an honor. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's one. Of, yeah, I'm actually really proud of that. Um, and then we... Uh, shifted it to Suede Brothers and we still had like a lot of the same contacts and we were keeping in touch with them because we were like, you know, we're kids and I don't know who fucking decided it was a good idea to let us play like the Beachland and, and shit like that. But we still had the same contacts and uh, Dylan's dad was helping us out with a lot of that stuff. So you're 18 was, or 19? I was 18. 18 yeah, at this okay. point. Yeah, 18. Uh, I have a late birthday too, so. And Mike's a bit younger, right? Yeah, Mike was 15 at this point. 15, that's crazy. Yeah, and so our second show <laughs> the Suede Brothers was opening for Blue Cheer at the Beachland because we already were talking about doing that with the Black Diamonds. And so, you know, that was like, that's probably my favorite show that that band ever fucking played because it was just like those guys. And, and the guy died shortly after that. Dickie Peterson died like on that tour. He They, they toured back around, you know, it was kind of like, I think it was like a We Need Health Insurance tour. Shout out America. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and so he died on the road. And, and he died after they came back through Cleveland one more time. But we got to open for him in the second leg of the Cleveland tour. Um, How crazy. Yeah, or second the second leg of their tour when they came to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But that was our second show, and you know, it, and that gave us a lot of street cred too. So we, we kind of hit the ground running with that band. But we were 18 and 15 <laughs> yeah. at the time. And how old was Dylan? So he was in my grade. He's okay. about, I think, six months older. Okay, yeah. gotcha. And then... At some point between then, yeah, you recorded your f- a first full-length mm-hmm. album released in 2008. Yeah, and those were all the songs that – a bunch of those were the songs that we – no, maybe just one of them was this – one, the, one of them was the song that we wrote with Mike like the morning before that show. <laughs> one of them survived, Fireplace Fire. We wrote that song like the day of the show. Um, and then the other ones just kind of came together with that. And, and we were like, you know, it's – if you listen to it, I think it's it's pretty heavily wears its influences on its sleeve, and it's you know it's a big Black Sabbath nod. But uh, that's what we were into at the time. We're eighteen, so we're discovering Black Sabbath, and and we, uh, you know, wore that proudly on. <laughs> so is that is that your first experience ever in a studio? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So with the Black Diamond stuff, we recorded um, we recorded all the half inch tape uh, in the basement there, which was which was pretty cool. Um, 
Dylan's dad was a, was a gearhead, and he, so when he, we started playing in a band, he was like, "I bought a Marshall Plexi head. You guys want to use this?" And we're like, well, "Yeah," <laughs> you know. Sure. So, so and then he bought all this like sick uh, analog recording equipment. And he really, I mean, that dude really helped us, um, you know, kind of take the project seriously because we were just kids like playing in a barn, literally a barn, uh, when we first started out. And and when he heard that we were like, you know, I, he must have heard something because he just started like throw in old vintage gear that he thought was cool at us, you know? Um, and that, t- that took a while too. Cause like he wouldn't let us use, he had some and he wouldn't let us use it. And then like one day he brought up something. We're like, Oh my God, he's going to let us use the fender basement. You know, <laughs> it's like some Mr. Miyagi shit giving you the yeah. keys to yeah, the, the right, fancy yeah. old car. Once yeah. You earned it. <laughs> yeah. It was super cool of him. But so we, we recorded that record in the basement there on analog and we took it to Suma studios to get mastered analog on two inch tape. Mm-hmm. And uh, we recorded all four of the Suede Brothers records at Suma after that. So it was kind of my first time in a studio, but we'd been in that studio for mastering before. It was my first time recording in like a, a, a studio, like a, like a professional studio for sure. Did you find that being like difficult or oh, yeah. scary or was yeah, it yeah, yeah. natural? It was way too intimidating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we were 18, 19. I think I was 19. Yeah, it was, it was too intimidating. Um in retro, like, I don't know, you can always figure out how to do stuff better in retrospect, but I had a, I had a it was a really intense experience because it's, it's expensive. So we had to go in for one day and like just pound everything out. And I don't think that's the way to do it. Um, I would have rather had like a little more of a time to it, but we didn't know. I mean, it was awesome to be in there. It was a cool experience. It was a real serious experience. Um, I don't consider it a bad experience by any means, but yeah, when you, it wasn't intimidating. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that studio, like the. James Gang and Grand Funk Railroad recorded there and stuff. So it was just like all this, you know, psychological pressure, mm-hmm. like whatever that adds up to, you know, like on top of it. So, and then so that record comes out. And then what happens to the band then after that? I'm trying to. Just a bunch of shows. Yeah, I'm or? trying to think of yeah. I thought, well, I go to we go to college. <laughs> so was, take a break? No, no, we were doing it all through college. But I went to Oof. I went to Akron. I started going to college. Um, what's that noise? Uh, <laughs> I um, yeah, I gotta think of the timeline. I think we yeah no very quickly after that we hooked up with um this band called Year Long Disaster, which is their first EP is is still one of the fucking Best, like, stoner metal records I've ever fucking heard. Um, they did a five-song EP. It was the bass player from Karma to Burn. He was, like, the driving force behind it. And a lot of the songs are, like, actually, like, modified Karma to Burn riffs. Um, it was And it was Dave Davies' son. Dave Davies from The Kinks. His mm-hmm. son, who was just a fucking screecher of a guitarist. Like, he was fucking awesome. That dude ripped. And then, the of, of all people, the drummer from Third Eye Blind. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, who's like a metalhead, and his whole like his whole thing with uh, like how he joined Year Long Disaster was bizarre. Or you no, know, how he joined Third Eye Blind. Like he was a metal drummer, and the the uh, singer for Third Eye Blind just hit him up. It's like, hey man, I'm gonna re- record a, a demo. Do you want to play drums on it? He's like, yeah, sure. And he played drums on it, and then like months later, that that guy hits him up again. He's like, hey, man, uh, I got a record deal with that uh, with that demo. Do you want to play on the album? He's like, yeah, sure. And then the album sold 40 million copies. And he's like, or 4 million copies. And he's like, I guess this is what I do now, you know? But he was a metalhead. He was a metal drummer. And wow. so he's playing in this. That's crazy. Sick fucking band. And that's a whole different thing. Yeah. But they saw us as the, as, I don't remember if they saw us as the Black Diamonds or the Suede Brothers. 
I don't remember when. It was right around then. It must have been because if I can't th- tell the difference. Um, they started bringing us out on shows. Um, and they were based out of West Virginia. So anytime they went to like the mid – well, one guy was based out of West Virginia. The other guy was based out of L.A. But every time they were in the Midwest, they would bring us out to shows. And then – so that's like – that's how we, we, we opened for The Sword at one point. We opened for um, one of the members of Clutch, one of his side projects. Um, those guys really took us under their wing and were like – like here, play all these cool fucking shows, you know? And I think that that's, I don't know how exactly that happened over the course of the four years because I was in college too. And I got, I got real into experimenting with drugs at one point too. So it's all kind of a fucking blur, but, uh, how the fuck do you balance all of that? I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know if I did. I don't know if I fucking did. (laughs) Did you get good grades? (laughs) Not towards the end. (laughs) I mean, I, yeah, I started off pretty good, but like, you know, I mean, it's it's like at the end of college, like we were opening for Third Eye Blind, 30 Seconds to Mars, Alice Cooper. Like there were these things. So I was like, oh, well, I don't need to worry about school anymore. Like, obviously, this is going to be like what I do now. You yeah. know, so it was like 22. No, I was like 20, 20. I think I opened for Alice Cooper when I was 22, maybe. So there was a stretch where I just was like, this is what we're going to do, you know, obviously. Like all the, it was obvious to us that they get our delusional minds at the time. I mean, know? to be that age and experiencing stuff like that, yeah, you would, yeah. you would think that. Like, and on too many psychedelics. <laughs> and yeah, like at that point, you're you're on your way, right? Like yeah. you hit the big time. Uh, I mean, it felt that way in retrospect. It feels really delusional, but like I don't, sure. I don't, I, I I don't know how I would have read it any other way. You know, it was like I was meeting my heroes, and it was just like, oh, this is how it works, then, huh? You know, so, so I had no, I had no way of knowing that it was just. That's how it goes, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. And then so, okay, so what happens next with with that band? With the Sway Brothers? Yeah. Uh, you know, it kind of ended really abruptly. I think Dylan had a thing with it, and, like, he just kind of got out of playing music, and so it just kind of fizzled out. Mm-hmm. And Some and, burnout, maybe? Just burnout on all of it? Yeah, them? you'd have to ask him. Okay. Um, I I remember taking that really hard. Uh, cause, cause I was coming and that happened like, while I still was like, yeah, well, okay. So I just graduated college. Now we can do this full time. Right. You know? And then it just kind of fizzled out right away. And so mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like all these things that I was excited about, um, and then, you know, uh, like that was, was my direction, you know? And all of a sudden it was just, like kind of evaporated and then I was just rudderless, you know, I was living in my parents' basement and I was just like, what the fuck, what do I do now? You know, like. It's that that's you know I entered like that's I entered a rough few years. This is really uh, really fucking depressed for so a few years. The last record for Suede Brothers came out in 2013. So was that close to the end when it stopped? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was released in 2013. So we finished that in like 2012. And like shortly after that, um, I remember there, there was some good opportunities that we had, and they just didn't line up. I remember, so it must have been like 22, 23, maybe a year or two after I got out of college. Because all I wanted to do was focus on the band. It was all I wanted to do. It was all I thought about. And I remember uh, there's this band, Parlor Mob, and they're pretty sick. We opened for them a couple times. Well, no, we opened for once, opened for them once in Chicago uh, at the Double Door. That was a fucking cool place to play it. That is a cool venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they asked us to go on a week leg with them on a tour. And Mike was still in high school. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and his parents wouldn't let him go. Uh-huh. Because he had like a week left of school. And I remember 
like we said, like not that week, but another week, and they just didn't get back to us. And yeah. it, it, like in retrospect, it's like an offer you don't turn down. Um, and who knows, it would have fucking meant anything at the time. But like that, after that, I think I, I can't speak for Dylan, um, but that took the wind out of our sails. Uh, mine. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I was still all in. It took the wind out of the band sails. I don't want to speak for anyone else. Um, and I and and I, that's around when it did. Maybe that maybe it's in retrospect that I'm identifying that point with it. But that's when like we just kind of fizzled out. I mm-hmm. feel like or started to. And I held on to it for a long time, but I was like the only one. Mike was like go, starting to go to college and stuff, so everybody had something else. Everybody ha- had a direction except me. So I I really entered into this like rudderless phase of my life that was pretty mm. fucking dark <laughs> when you think you're on this road to like you know your dreams and then all of a sudden it abruptly it, kind of stops i mean that would be tough yeah and it and it, it didn't feel it, it, what it felt like it felt like i was running with like a group of people we're like yeah we're going we're going and then like at some point like some people started like dropping off and then like at some point i was still running like and i looked back and i'm like the only one still running and i was like oh Mm-hmm. Well, now what? <laughs> you know, like that's what it feels like. You know, yeah. At yeah. least as far as the energy went, you know, just uh, on like a strictly energy level. That's good. That, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Um, and so this is like 2014 or so, right? So yeah, up until this point, you've just you've been playing bass. Did you did you sing backups in Suede Brothers? Did you sing it all? No, no, no. I never. You know, I always had a hard time singing and playing bass at the same time. Mm-hmm. That instrument always gave me trouble, but I never really tried or practiced. I just kind of tried it. was like, well, I can't do that. And like, let's focus on the shit that we can do. Let's keep, because it was a very, that was a very impatient band. And have everything you played, had to happen like right then, you know? Sure. So. It sounds like you're busy. Like you kind of didn't have a lot of time to experiment. Like, well, even in the writing process, it was like, it doesn't work right now. Okay, fuck it. If it doesn't work, you know, like move on, you know, gotcha. that kind of shit, you know? And had you played guitar? Up in, at all until this point, or was it all just bass? At some point in college, I taught myself guitar, but before that, I only played bass. I started, I started playing bass because uh, I, I, I realized I wanted to play an instrument, and I was like, "Oh, I'll play guitar." And then I thought about, it. I was like, "Well, I'll be like just the worst guitarist in school if I start playing guitar now." Mm. And then I was like, "And this was like seventh grade, eighth grade," and I was like, "Oh, no, there's nobody plays bass. Like nobody plays bass. I'll be the best bass player." Sure. And I was, I was, but <laughs> so it's smart. kind of a sly move. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. And I ended up, you know, being, I had the pick of the bands at Perry high school with all 300 people there. <laughs> nice. That's the way to go. Drummers and bass. Everybody yeah. wants to be a, a guitar player right, and yeah. a singer, right? You know what it was that made me like, be like, I want to be a bass player. It was cause I was like, I want to be a guitarist. But then I was like, Oh, it was like, well, maybe I should play bass. I started thinking that like, maybe I should play bass. And then I was like, but that's not cool. That's not cool, though. Bass players aren't cool. <laughs> and I remember, like, somehow I stumbled across Motley Crue, uh-huh. and I'd never heard of them. And I just was like, I, I saw, like, a picture of them online. I was like, what the fuck is that band? And then, you know, you see a picture of Nikki Six, and he's all fucking crazy. He's like, that guy must be, like, the lead singer or something. And I clicked, and he's the bass player. I was like, oh, shit. You can be a maniac and be the bass player? You know, and then, so it made me like, oh, yeah, okay. Being a bass player can be cool. Hell, yeah. <laughs> No, bass players are definitely good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, under, <laughs> underrated, yeah. Well, I know. We Molly Crew's not that fucking good of a band, but I was obsessed with them in eighth grade. Dude, Molly Crew's great. <laughs> we won't go down the road of all the great mm-hmm. bass players that are cool, but that's another, and for another episode. For sure, for sure, yeah. <laughs> and the reason I was asking about guitar and vocals, obviously, is because, you know, 
we'll get there, but that's what you're doing now in low spot, which is yeah, yeah. is very interesting to me that all that through all those days of all that time in Suede Brothers, yeah, it really hadn't been something that you'd explored yet. Yeah, um, I, don't, I was very much just a bass player in the Suede mm-hmm. Brothers, but I, I started learning how to play guitar, and um, by the end of college, I had I thought I got good enough to do stuff that I wanted and it just kind of shook out like a replacements kind of kind of stuff you know because you are a replacements fan aren't you oh my god oh yeah dude Paul Westerberg's my favorite yeah so I mean like all I, I don't claim to do anything original I think I'm just doing a heavier heavier if anything I'm doing a heavier version of the replacements but I fucking love Paul Westerberg's song right? I love that it's just all melody hooks all the time and then just riffs like it, it, it's it's my favorite shit so good segue let me ask you this when did songwriting become a part of your life? Because I know that you mentioned when we were at the bar before the episode <laughs> was that you had been <laughs> writing songs for a long ass time. So yeah, when around, did, when around did, then is around that time? Yeah, I remember writing a lot of songs my senior year of high school, of college. Sorry, of college. Okay, I remember writing a lot, and some of those I can still remember. So I like if I can still remember if you can still remember like a song you wrote that means you liked it you know mm-hmm. I don't know, um, but around then is when I feel like I started doing stuff that I wanted to do, with on guitar and with vocals, um, which was you know for the years before that that I was trying it was just a mess you know just trying to figure it out you know it was very much like, you know figure like like you know learn how to walk you know until you can get to the point where I could actually play. Um, and then at some point, I think, I think once the band went out, I still, I still relied on music so much. Uh, and uh, my whole person relied on music so much for an identity, I think an identity and like an outlet that it just became all I did. And if I didn't have a band to play with, I was just going to be playing guitar in my parents' basement. Yeah, so shouting you to myself. Yeah, you mentioned that, right? So you're yeah. in your parents' basement. The band, the Suede Brothers, had fizzled away, mm-hmm. or was starting to. Yeah, or Start- not practicing as much as we were, and okay. it wasn't as much of a musical outlet as it was. So you turned to playing alone, writing songs, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's very different from what you've been doing all these years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, what, what's what what's going on there? What's in your head? What are you writing about? At that point, it's just depressing. <laughs> it's just depression. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was. It was. Yeah, I was in a real. You know, I was in a. I, I mean, yeah, I, mean, it was, I was like straight up suicidal. And it's. It's. I mean, it's hard to talk about. Um, but it was coming from there. It was coming from there, and you know, just alienation, loneliness, and yeah, yeah. It was just real. It was real. You know, it was a real dark, yeah. real dark place. And you know, but yeah. the songwriting help was it therapeutic? It was all I had. <laughs> it, was all, it was all I had. So it was therapeutic then. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Got me through it. And and you're writing songs at this point. You, you're not playing with anyone else, right? It's just you. Uh, a handful of times I played with some people. The, um, okay. But nothing, nothing. The, the Suede Brothers was so serious and so purpose driven, um, and it was so it was it was imperative. Like we we had to do it, and and we all like like took it the same level of serious, and. I never found anybody that took it as seriously as I did. Um, and so I never f- was able to form a band 
that took it that seriously. And I didn't know how to n- take it any less seriously because it was all I had done since I started playing music, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I'd played, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd play with some friends who played music and then, and then I would just end up getting like, you know, frustrated with them just being like, well, you're not taking it seriously. And I would just move on. Um, and I also like, I was, I was also really, I spent like the whole year, the last year of college, like pushing everybody close to me away. Cause I was kind of entering this fucking hole that I was going into. Um, and so I really scooped a, a lonely hole out for myself and was really bad at making and keeping friends and keeping in touch with people. So well, I really was isolating myself. How long did that way. last? How long was that period in your life? It feels probably a lot longer than it was, but it was probably like a couple of years. Yeah. Like two or three years. Two years. I don't know. It, it was a, it was slow coming out of it, but like it, I mean, I, it, it feels like a different lifetime. It, it, it feels like a different like life. I, don't, I was, I, I mean, I was like straight up like suicidal, man. Like yeah. really, like it was, I don't really know how to talk about it without doing this. Yeah. But like, oh. I mean, it was so, you know, it was, it was, it was consuming. I thought about that or music. It mm. was all I thought about. So what shifted at some point? Cause you know, I've known you for a while now, you know, I, I'd never, I've never seen you as like a, you know, down and down that whole yeah, kind yeah. of guy, right? It's so, so it's another lifetime ago. Yeah, it was like 10 something years ago. happened then. What's the shift to bring you out of that hole? Yeah, no, I re- well, yeah, this is gonna be hard to talk about, but is it like? I, I remember like it's hard to talk. I remember like making plans. Mm. You know, um, I was like, all right, well, if you really want to kill yourself, fucking do it. How are you gonna do it? You know. This is the conversation I've had in my head. I had in my head then. And so, you know, I start. I start I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right, man. It's, it's hard to talk about. Um, so I started making plans, you know. It's probably one of those things you don't say these things out loud a lot, right? This, yeah. It's in yeah. your head. But it's okay. Like, take it's, time. Oh, at least not to somebody. Yeah. It's right. hard. Oh, and I'm fucking microphone. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, I, you know, I started making plans. and Shit got dark. Yeah. And, and, and I was like, all right, well. What do I want to do first? And then I started, you know, I was like, well, I want to go to Paris. <laughs> I want to see the world, you know. And, and I was like, oh, I don't want to die. I just want to live, you know. And, 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 and it, like, that still means so much to me because it was like the clouds parted. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this thing that I've been obsessed with for two years, you know. Yeah, man. And, and after that, I never thought of it the same way. It was never serious again. You know, I've never thought about it like that again. You know, like dealing with suicidal ideation is, so is is you know complex. But I never. It was always something that I I never took seriously again. I, I would always get to if I got to the point where I was thinking about it, I would just be like, well, you don't want to do that because there's you just want to do stuff, go do stuff, and that's what that's what got me out of it. You know, uh, that's beautiful though, really. Like. You had enough sense of like things you wanted to live for. Yeah, I guess. To, to, <laughs> I you, guess. You weighed your options, dude. You weighed yeah, your options. Yeah. You were like, actually, as much as I might want to do this horrible thing, I still want to do these awesome things. And that's that's pretty badass. And that led to, I mean, seriously, I know that that has a big element of the, the songwriting that you were doing. Right, so I know yeah, you, I, mean, I know you're putting a lot of that heartfelt darkness and 
I mean, that's a beautiful thing that the music you were writing was a tool or like a, whatever it would be called, a therapy in a way to keep you going, right? So yeah. So how does that, you know, so you're, you're doing, you're writing the songs, you're working on, you're working on pulling yourself out of that hole, right? So you came out of that. How You said that lasts for like a, a year or so, right? So coming out of that, like what, what is your next, what's next in your life? I honestly started playing less music. Less there music? Was, yeah, okay. there was a long period where I even, you know, you know, I just, it kind of went away after that, um, my attachment to music. Because I really thought, I, I think it was all I had mm-hmm. at one point. And with the Sway Brothers things yeah. ending, I mean, it was hard, dude. I'm yeah. sure that was fucking Yeah, your, but even like road. personally, just music was at mm-hmm. that point, during that, it was all I had. And then uh, I got into like, film. I, I moved out of my parents' basement. That, that helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah. I, I moved downtown. I started working at a bar. Uh, I started meeting people, making friends, meeting other artists and stuff. And I got into like, you know, making short films and 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 stuff. I got it. I was always I've always been into filmmaking and stuff too. And I just started pursuing that. And music was you know never like it was always something I did, but it, be, it became more of a hobby. It wasn't like the imperative that it, it was. Um, up until like that point, but it was fine. I still, I still had a creative outlet and I still played music and I'd occasionally like, you know, half-ass start a band. But it, I mean, like the Sway brothers set the standard for me that like no other, no other band that I played with until, you know, until really until I joined uh, Harvey Pekar. It was like the first, mm-hmm. first band, uh, after the Sway brothers I was like, Oh, these guys take it as serious as the Sway brothers do. I got like this, this rips, you know? Um, but there was that whole, there was a whole, like, I don't know, five, seven years that music wasn't as serious, but I had other, I had other serious projects. I always had a creative outlet, but music did take a back seat at that point and I was okay with it, but it was, you know, it was the thing that got me through mm. all that shit that I yeah. just sad sacked over. <laughs> That's all right, man. I mean, fucking shit, dude. It's good to fucking talk about it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I just don't know how to talk about it without doing that. Yeah. It was real. It was real. Yeah, man. And like, <clears throat> and so, all right. At that point, right? So you, because we'll see. I think when I first, when I first met you, you, you had done a Suede Brothers reunion show. Like you guys were playing again. <laughs> yeah, it's Suede Brothers reunion show. Yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. We had, um, can we call it a reunion? I guess? We would still play. Uh, that's the thing. Like when it fizzled out, we would still play, you know, a few times a year. We still play shows a few times a year, but we were playing shows three times a month and they were out of state, you know, like we were, we were, and we were opening for, you know, and even then we still opened for cool bands. Like we opened for Fu Manchu after this point, we opened for, uh, um, we opened for, <laughs> this isn't a cool band, but, but no, 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 they're, they're awesome. Uh, they can laugh all the way to the bank if you make fun of them, but we opened for Buck Cherry just mm-hmm. like a few years ago, you know? Sure, yeah. So we were still getting like, you know, shows, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same like thing. And, and it wasn't the same obsessive drive that, that I, I found out I relied on, you know, to survive. Okay. So, but, you know, just shifted that to other artistic pursuits. Sure. And then, but yeah, you did. Yeah. You, so the whole point of you saying that before I rambled was that you saw us at a Sway Brothers reunion. That you show. guys had been playing. You started playing yeah. again. 
Yeah. Yeah, it was one of the times we played. Yeah. Okay. And then, so talk about Low Spot. Like, yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's the next big musical thing. Well, you've played some other bands. You've you've done other things since in that like, yeah. that little gap, right? Are there, are there any certain projects that you want to talk about? In between? In between? Musical? No. Okay. No, no I didn't do, I didn't play any musical projects in any series, musical, musical projects until uh, I played with Harvey Pekar. Right. And that was awesome. But then they opened that comic book shop and had to take a break from the band. So technically I'm still in the band and I'm down to play with them anytime, <laughs> but they, 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 you know, they're on a hiatus. We still, we, we still talk and they super script on Madison yeah, and Lake super Lake. script in Madison. Yeah. They, they, those guys are fucking awesome. And I had a great time. The few shows we played and I'm, I'm thrilled that they got to, yeah. um, open that shop. But that also got, that got Ian and I tight, you know, Ian and I were, you know, we knew each other and we were friends before that, but Ian was the one who brought me into that band and Ian and I have become pretty, really close friends now. And it was because of that band that we hang, hung out. I think that we really became good friends. Hold on. I think you, I think you need a hug. Hold on. I need a hug. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> you, know, you had a rough moment there and you, I know you, you let it all out. No, I mean, it's, no, it's just, I mean, it's, it's real. I had to. I appreciate that. I mean, it's, I'm glad. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it, but it is, it, it's, it's that hard to talk about. It's, that stuff's that hard to talk about. Which so, is, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so really, I mean, it's a good segue. Like, so Low Spot comes along. And yeah. this is an opportunity, dude, for you to be the front man. You're singing. Uh-huh. You're playing guitar. You're not playing bass now. And this is like something that really came together around your songwriting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so talk about that. Well, it's funny. Like, at that point, I mean, I... I I, I have like 50 or so songs that I wrote over the course of all that time. And I never stopped writing. I just never, you know, wrote seriously. No, I still, I still wrote seriously, but I, I did it for me. And I, and like, I kind of, kind of had the, uh, the opinion, like, I guess I'm the only one who likes this stuff. And if that's the case, like, I'm fine with that. That's cool. It's for me. This is how I play guitar. These are the songs I write. This is self-satisfying. Like, I don't I don't give a shit if nobody wants to hear it. And it, and it was Ian. Like, like Ian was playing drums, and, and like, we were recording something for, like, I, I think it was for Pressure Life at that time. We were just rec- recording something for, for fun. And uh, we were just sound checking, and I played some guitar stuff. And he was like, what was that? What was that? What was that? And I was like, oh, I, was just, I was just fucking around. And he was like, oh, do you like stuff like that? I was like, yeah, man, I really do. <laughs> and uh, I showed him some of the songs that I had, you know, recorded by myself, you know, over the years. Um, and and he was like, we, we have to start a band with this stuff. And that was, you know, you know he, we would always kind of talk about it. And we did, like, try to start it one time with Quinn, who's the bass player now. Um, and Quinn was into it, but Quinn was... Quinn also said, like, oh, look, I'm in I'm in Royal Beasts. I'm in Swim Fan. Like, I, I don't have time for a third band. Like, I really don't have time. I'm sorry. And so we were like, all right, that's fine. And, you know, it kind of fizzled out. But every time Ian and I, like, hung out and talked about music, he was like, we should start a band around that stuff. And and he would say it because I was always just like, oh, I get, like, the, like, I didn't know anybody wanted to listen to this stuff, <laughs> you know. But he was into it. I was like, I, I, I happily, you know, I'll do it. But are you sure anybody wants to hear it, you know, so, and that, you know, and that's, that probably stems from all the, you know, self-confidence shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, that I just assumed that I was the only one because nobody else ever reacted to it. Everybody else was like, oh, that's cool. You know, and a few people would like it, you know, but 
nobody was ever like, we got to start a band with that stuff. It was Ian. I really, you know, I credit Ian with getting that's it awesome. off the ground. That's great. You have a little, that, that's enough support, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and then, and then the, and then, uh, um, Mike comes along. Right. Well, so Ian had just Ian was <coughs> studying like sound recording at Tri C and was like, "Hey, I need to record a solo artist um, for a thing. Do you want to come play some of those songs?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that sounds like fun." And Quinn like randomly reached out and was like, "Hey, uh, none of my bands are doing anything right now. If you want to like play some of that stuff, like let's play some of that stuff." And I was like, "Actually, nice. like Ian wants to record some of it. Do you want to come hear some of the songs when I do?" And so. I played the songs for Ian recorded it and Quinn just kind of listened and 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 just kind of showcased the material and they were both like yeah let's fucking play this stuff you know and so were you doing that with electric or acoustic electric yeah okay. electric it was just electric uh, I think I brought I don't remember what I played through actually I think I played through that uh, I think uh, that Marshall stack that was in the space <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, yeah I think I played through that and uh, so now you, got, now you got two people supporting this yeah. idea this these songs you wrote. Yeah. And then Mike has been off, you know, getting a fucking physics degree, physics masters. Dr. Mike. Dr. Mike. Yeah. is getting a physics masters and he graduates and, and hits me up and is, is like, is like, Hey man, you want to play music sometime? Like I, I got all this free time now that I'm not like pursuing a master's. And I was like, it's funny you mention it. <laughs> I was like right after, you know, the other stuff. So it, it just all kind of lined up. And I mean, it, like the chemistry in that band is, some of the best chemistry. I mean, it, it, it's its own chemistry. All the, all, the, all the bands I've been in have their own chemistry that I love being in. Like, I play with Wilson and, and Ted and, and, and Nope, and that's just a fucking awesome creative outlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just as far as bass goes, because I've never played that kind of bass before, and Wilson and I don't have to talk when we're trying to figure out where a song's going to go, and that's awesome. And Occult's for that Wilson? Yeah, that's Wilson. Occult's, yeah, 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 yeah I gotta shut them out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Low Spot, like, it just... We've all been playing together. Uh, Ian and Quinn were in a band. In co- well, Quinn and Quinn and I went to college together. Okay. And Ian, I think, went. To, I don't know if he went to Akron for a minute, but he was in that scene. And Quinn and Ian were in a band for years, so they were tight. Um, and so everybody in the band has played with each other in some capacity for a super long time, and so everybody knows, you know, each other's styles and and like. I don't know. It's everybody, I, I'm just stoked on it. It's it's, it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's awesome. And yeah. and um, so you guys have just started recording, right? So you've got a couple songs recorded, and we re- we record this podcast in advance and a few months in advance. So by the time listeners are hearing it, there might be some material out at the, you know for people to go listen to. Sorry, and these are the very first recordings. So what are you guys doing as far as recording? Like what's the process looking like? Well, I mean, it's a super new band. Um, oh, as far as recording goes? Yeah, yeah, the Just recording. like the whole re- process. So Ian and Mike are both really good with recording. Like they I mean, they just that's one of the things right. they love doing and, you know, Quinn and I have no idea what's going on, but they go off and they're like, "All right, we can do it this way." And then they they set it they, you know, they get us all set. And so we're going to try to do um just singles, batches of two, um, every three months if we can. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to try to just keep producing because we have like we write really fast, we come up with new material really fast, and then I have a backlog of like, you know, I don't know, eighty fucking songs that we can just pick from, and that's crazy. I- Ian has a lot too. <laughs> Ian has a lot too, so we can just yeah. 
you know. That's a lot of fucking songs, dude. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it's 80. There's, there's, there's an <laughs> unlimited amount of ideas that I've either half started or shit that's like finished. That's awesome. Can't wait to hear them. So, yeah. So, and, and you and I have talked about releasing the low spot uh, singles mm-hmm. up to full length on Earhammer. Yeah. Right. So, a little yeah. bit of a marriage here, mm-hmm. bringing it together. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. I'm stoked, man. Yeah, me too. Uh, so, you know, if anybody gets a chance, definitely it, when this comes out, go look up Low Spot. Are you guys going to do Bandcamp? Because I know like Bandcamp's so definitely like a go to. Bands usually want people to go to Bandcamp. So I feel you, like everyone else in the band is better at this than me. Yeah. <laughs> but it'll be, it'll be where we're going to get it on like streaming. I think we're going to like sign up through CD Baby. It'll be on like all the streaming platforms. Sure. Um, and then, you, yeah, we'll probably sell it on Bandcamp too. Because I don't know if listeners know this, but artists get paid more for through bandcamp.com than other streaming platforms. Hold on, let me write this down. So <laughs> so that is definitely helpful for bands, but like yeah, like you know, you can definitely just go to the social media stuff pages, look for mm-hmm. low spot, support it, you look for it. Um but yeah, man, like it's going to be good times. I can't wait to hear the rest of the songs cuz I've only heard two. <laughs> yeah, I've only heard two. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. uh we got two more tracked, uh, well, bass and drums, and uh, we're going to go track the guitar after this one comes out. So Cool. Yeah. Do you want to go to the bar and have a few more beers? Usually, yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, now, tonight. Yeah. <laughs> you said usually. Well, yeah, man. Uh, can't wait to hear more. And uh, also, great live show, too. Like, Low Spots definitely brings the energy yeah. to the stage, which is always very very important things i'll say that for us yeah we 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 all have a lot of fucking energy it's something i look for with the ear hammer bands is that good that 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 energy you guys do a great job hell yeah cool man do you have anything you want to add like uh you know you know no i mean like we got a lot of shows coming up we're trying to just book as much as possible um yeah i mean like we're a new band so come come see us like like we're gonna we're gonna kick some fucking doors down like we're it's a good band. I'm 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 not afraid to say that we're really <laughs> we're a really good fucking band. We've blown the roof off every place we've been in. You and, guys are a fucking we've killer. Made, we've made bands that follow us be like, we don't want to follow you. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's what it's all about. Killer. Uh, go check out Low Spot on social media stuff, Facebook, Instagram, all that good things. Check out your Hammer Records. And uh, thanks, Kevin. I yeah, appreciate you coming Anytime, down. Anytime, man. Good chat, brother. Death. All right, I love you too, man. All right, we'll see you next time. And thank you for coming and listening to the podcast. And remember. Um, stay safe out there. Be kind to each other. Don't let your meat loaf and don't let your snail trail. We'll see you next time.